0: listening to The Doer's Podcast, right here on The Doer's Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II. Welcome, everyone, to The Doer's Network. I'm your host, Donald Robinson II. And on the line, we have the fabulous Jennifer Cherry Foster, president and founder of Catalyst Media Factory. Wonderful media, public relations, marketing. And for those of you looking to establish your brand, get the word out about who you are and what you do. We're going to have some great information for you in the next few minutes or so. So Jennifer, how you doing?
1: I'm pretty well, Don. How about yourself? Thanks for
0: having me on. Hey, no problem. I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks. I appreciate all the love and looking to having a great conversation with you. So Yeah, it'll be fun. Oh, much, much fun. Much fun. So Jennifer, tell the listening audience about yourself, who you are, what's your background, where you come from, and what you're doing. <sighs>
1: I'm, um, yeah, I'm Jennifer Foster. I uh, thought I wanted to be a doctor and set out at U of M and got a degree in, in microbiology. And I got done and decided I didn't want to go to med school, and I really enjoyed communications, went back and got another bachelor's and focused in PR. Uh, I was fortunate to get a, an internship with a great agency and uh, started at the very bottom, worked my way up, uh, fell in love with working with small and growing businesses And um, after about 13 years or so with an agency, I I left to move out on my own and start my own company, uh, build my own team. And we've been around for, you know, zeroing in on close to two years now. We've worked with a lot of fantastic companies, a lot of startups, again a lot of growing businesses in Detroit, Um, really from coast to coast. Our clients run from Alaska to New York. Um, Our focus is media relations. And so we work to get our clients in front of the news media interviewed on TV and in newspapers and on radio and in blogs and other digital publications that you find online. Okay. Uh, So again, I've been doing this probably for total for about 15 years or so now.
0: Wow. That sounds great. So in your vast amount of experience, I'm pretty sure you've seen the trends um, in terms of the development of technology, how things have changed in the market how do you see it being different than what it used to be when you first started out?
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because when I, I first started out, I still had colleagues that um, could tell you about waiting in line at the fax machine to send out news releases about clients or, or even a few that recalled mailing them to news outlets. Um some days I think it might make more sense to go back to mailing things because they get so few few letters in the mail. Right. They're more inclined to open them. Right. And, you know, we've been spoiled because, you know, we use a lot of electronic sources, you know, including email. But even email boxes are being overwhelmed these days. And so now we find, you know, reporters that are more comfortable using, you know, Facebook Messenger
0: yeah.
1: uh, to receive their pitches or Twitter. Everybody has a different preference where you know, back even, you know, again, seven, eight years ago, everybody had moved to email. And that was really, you know, the only way to reach a reporter and, and maybe some follow up by telephone. Yeah. Um, and like yeah. I said, now we've got so many channels. You have to learn what channels your the reporter you're trying to pitch prefers, for example.
0: Right. And I find it interesting, um, even on a on a social media outlet like Facebook, you have a lot of reporters, local reporters and reporters in other areas where, they do behind-the-scenes posts. You know, they'll in-between takes. They'll have you know their little behind-the-scenes Facebook live recording, and you get to see a little bit behind the studio, a little bit how things work behind the scenes. And it's just interesting to see that because normally in the old days you have to go take a tour to a, a studio to see what it what it's really like. And now they make it readily accessible to anybody. And they you know a lot of reporters, in order to even build their own brand, their own personality um, marketing. You know, they do a lot of that social media recording just to just, you know, just to get the fans how wet to see what they're doing and things like that. I just find it interesting how technology has make things more um, creative and more personal in a certain sense. You know, what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, it does. And I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, for example, Stephen Clark was with WXYZ TV for many, many years he left and moved over, you know, to radio, he took his, I mean, he was able to take his audience. They were able to follow him from TV to radio because he had built such great, you know, uh, Twitter accounts in his case, mainly. And he's also got a very strong Facebook presence. um, But because he had built these channels, he was able to transport them and people were able to easily follow him in his transition. Yeah. You know, on to his next adventure. But the if you look at news outlets, the news outlets aren't consistent in what channel they use. So some are stronger in, you know, Twitter, for example, you know, Channel Seven again really embraced Twitter early on and used it properly and work with their news team to make sure they all understood it. And again, people like Alicia Smith and, you know, when Stephen Clark was there and, you know, have really strong followings and people tune in every morning to to view the newscast through social media. And, and other outlets, you know, have embraced, you know, Facebook, um, you know, we're seeing more embrace Instagram now as well, Yeah, but they aren't, they aren't consistent. It, It could be, it's outlet dependent.
0: And do you think it's also based on the comfort level of the company and the personalities too?
1: It is, um, you know, in some cases I know that the, the news outlet said, these are the preferred social platforms that we, we ask you to use to help build an audience as it relates to your your position here? Sure. Um but again, they're all, you know, certainly allowed to to use other platforms that they're comfortable with too. So
0: And it sounds it's very interesting and, and with your expertise, you know, you can tell you're well-bred and well-versed in the science behind it, you know, because there is a different science behind what's what's being done in terms of news media and and, you know, public relations and things like that. So in terms of um the way technology is developed, do you think that it's a, it's a help or a hazard? Because I hear a lot of different things. Because, for example, like to like podcasting now. I mean, podcasting is becoming a big thing with a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities. But then at the same time, you know, people are worried about things like this killing off radio, killing off act, you know, turn killing off traditional radio and that kind of thing. Do you think that you know with the turn of technology and development of new ways to reach the people and the masses? Do you, do you think, any, do you see any danger zones in it or do you think it's, it's you know, something that we could use usually use and be comfortable with?
1: That's that's a great question. It's really interesting because, you know, I've had, uh, you know, I had a client who questioned me early on. He didn't want to be interviewed on any podcast. He didn't think anybody was listening to podcasts. And this was, you know, within about the past year or so. And it was so funny. I walked into a, a masterminds group I was participating in and these are, you know, female business owners. And I said you guys listen to podcasts and they all looked at me like I was from another planet. And I said, which, which podcast do you listen to? And they instantly all rattled through a diverse list. What's happening is, is that we're seeing, you know, you used to be able to have a news uh, news article appear in you know, a major daily newspaper and everybody saw it because that was where they all got their news or, or they all watched, you know, the daily five o'clock newscast and everybody saw it. And that's not the case anymore. You know, a lot of times we still see people that, you know, see something on Facebook and they read a news item and they say, when you ask them what the source was, they say, well, I saw it on on social media. I saw it on Facebook. Right. Um, And so they're not really recognizing that, you know, this was the news outlet that that produced it. Sometimes that works in in your favor. Sometimes it works against you. Um, So the audience is very, very fragmented. So what that means is that, you know, as a business owner, you're really put in a position where there's no magic bullet anymore, and you have to, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you have to hit people over the head multiple times in multiple locations. Right. So instead of just being on that TV show, you need to be on the TV show, you need to be on the podcast, you need to be in the radio interview, uh, you need to be in the local newspaper – You need to be on your cable access station. And then people start to say, oh, yeah, I think I've heard about this, this company. Right. Um, I think I keep seeing something on them, but it takes more than one mention to make that happen.
0: Yeah. Do you think that like local (laughs) personalities that we mentioned, do you think as far as um, a career in broadcast journalism, for example, I know, you know, 20 years ago, you could start out. Okay, you work your way through the ropes, you build your following, you know, through the traditional media outlets. It it, it seems like it's got to be challenging for them, too, because let's say if you're, I wouldn't say technology averse, let's say you're social media averse and you're not really into social media, but (laughs) you have to build this on your career. Do you think that this, you know, it could be a very, a very steep challenge for them?
1: Well, it is. And, you know, particularly um, a lot of newspaper reporters are met with the challenge now of being asked to go out and capture video, you know, from their cell phones. Um, They were given cell phones for that purpose in a lot of instances Okay. and told when they write a story that they need to go out, they need to video edit it, you know, shoot it. They need to edit it. Those are all skills that, you know, journalists aren't traditionally taught in school. Right. And now they're expected to learn it very quickly and be able to integrate it into their, their storytelling yeah. techniques. Yeah.
0: That's very interesting. So, yeah. So, so it's, it's like you're developing in mid-career, an entirely different and new skill set.
1: It's like mid-career, you know, what you do for a living has changed, you know, very drastically. Yeah. You know, right right from underneath you. Um, You know, some reporters, although it seems they've backed off, were really encouraged for a long time to do segments, you know, like TV segments where they actually appeared on camera, you know, interviewing uh, people that appeared in their print articles. Wow. And again, it's a skill set. I've got to learn to set up a camera, learn how to set the timer. I've got to learn to position it correctly so the lighting's good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you you have to become it's part of it's part of the job of a journalist now, and that's why we hear more and more people talk about multimedia journalists.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting how even though that you make you more marketable, I think too, but just the challenge I think of people of having to change. You know, change is a big thing as a human being in general. We all have to go through it. And let's say, you know, in the past 15, 20 years, the big thing was mergers, buyouts, and next thing, you know, people losing jobs and they <laughs> have to shift careers. And now they have right. to re- re- rebrand themselves, re- recreate themselves, and things like that. And this seems like there's no different. The only difference, like what you're saying, um, and that's interesting that you brought that out because it seems like they're in the midst of their career having to rebrand and having to recreate themselves, even if they had a great following beforehand. And it's very interesting how that's turning out. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, it's true. And I mean, I think, I mean, as a society though, I think right now, anybody that is able to learn technology, you know, can, can really lead the pack. Yeah. And so, but journalism is an industry that's really been impacted by the changes in technology and the, the advent of social media,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. So, Jennifer, what's got you started with your business and what inspired you to create Catalyst Media Factory? Because I know that you had had experience in working with an agency, but what inspired you to start your own business?
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed working with um, you know smaller and growing businesses. They just were so appreciative they really saw the value that, um, you know, public relations or a good media relations campaign could bring. You know, I think some were, you know, just talking to them. Some were apprehensive about hiring an agency because they thought they might, you know, be the smallest client and they'd get lost. Sure. Um, and, and they certainly didn't want that. Others thought maybe they couldn't afford an agency. And um, so I really wanted to start a company that could you know, work with some of those, uh, smaller and growing businesses and help give them the benefit of, you know, media exposure. Um, you know, things like, you know, even improved SEO and the, you know, all important third-party credibility, um, that investors look for, you know, if they're making, you know, a commitment to a company, um, you know, even some of those residual benefits that are, are important for companies. So, um, I wanted to be able to provide that service.
0: okay. and then, um how long have you been operating your business?
1: Uh, not quite two years, a little uh, a little over a year and a half.
0: okay. what kind of growth have you seen thus far since you started?
1: <laughs> you know we're we're very pleased and very fortunate. We've got a great referral um, network. One of the areas that I was really looking to to personally grow the business in is is retail, and it was interesting to me that, You know, right out of the gate, I I expected we'd be doing a lot of retail work. And and it it took a good six months before we really started to see our retail clients come on board. And and now we're fortunate to represent, you know, a pretty good, um, you know, list of of some of Detroit, uh, you know, top retailers, growing retailers. Um, So that's been positive. You know, we also do work with, you know, companies in the tech sector and and even advertising, we work with a media media buying company just outside of New York that you know represents brands or has represented brands like the Snuggie and the Ginsu knife and you know Flex Seal and 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 so you know they're a lot of fun as well.
0: Wow. Okay. So you've worked with a varied amount of clients and customers. In your experience, what what do you what do you see in terms of trends like media trends, technology trends? Where do you see the industry going?
1: Well, like we talked about, I think a little earlier, you know, where it's really to to secure media interviews and, and those placements and those profiles, it's looking at things beyond just email um, and how you reach reporters. It's a, a change in approach to how you uh, pitch media from our end. You know, again, there's not just one magic bullet. You're looking at a variety of different outlets and you're really looking at micro audiences. So, again, you know, with podcasts, you know somebody might say well i'm only reaching 5000 people right. but you might you might only be reaching 5000 people but if you know 90% of those are your target audience right. um you know you're going to get more response from that than you are from a forbes magazine interview sure you know it's going to be more beneficial for your business so um so it's a change in the mindset i think in terms of of the types of interviews that clients are really um are,
0: are useful to clients as well okay is there are there any sectors in terms of PR media broadcasting that you think will be like a hotbed soon? Like, you know, um, like we talked about working with equipment like cameras and things versus uh, being a personality on air with podcasting, or do you do you see any niche anywhere?
1: Well, I think um, you know when you talk about another change, you know, when I started, you know, out back, you know, fifteen years ago or so. Um, you know, my job was to write a press release, send out a press release or send out a pitch about a story, follow up with the reporter, you know, call them by phone, you know, wait a day or two, see if they responded, you know, maybe leave them two voicemail messages. And, uh, you know, nowadays, the more, you know, when they finally picked up the phone and I explained to them why I was calling and they said, they agreed with me and said, oh, that's a neat story. I'd love to do it. That more or less ended my job with okay. that particular pitch because I would hand them off to the client. The client would do the interview, and, and that was it. And nowadays, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to someone, and they'll say, that's a great that's a great story, and we, sh- we would love to cover it, but we just don't have anybody in our newsroom. Okay. And so sometimes that really starts our job because it's, well, can you write a little more content for us? Can you send us some video? Um, can you supply us with photos? And so the more we can prepackage that, um, the better the chances of getting the story placed. Um, you know, when I call a pitch a story, you know, oftentimes they'll do a roundup story, which means they need two or three, at least three sources in that story to support what we're talking about. And so, you know, again, back in the olden days, <laughs> you know, 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. I used to be able to call and say, Hey, I have a client that's doing this. It's a trend. Right. Uh, talk to my client and now they say, okay, that's great, but I need to talk to two other people besides your client. Who am I supposed to talk to? Right. And so when I call, I need to also be able to name those two other people and provide them with all the contact information, even though it's not for my client, if I want that story. Wow. So it's, it's changed a lot. You know, the more information we can provide, uh, I think we're PR people are really being called on to show their true value. And it's not enough anymore that you just know your client. Yeah, but you need to know what's going on because the roles have changed in news media and TV and in print and people don't tend to have there aren't nearly as many beats as there used to be. And you know, say for example, in commercial real estate, you used to have a beat reporter who covered commercial real estate for all the major dailies and they had a history they had an understanding of how things had happened over the years and and of what companies did what and how they had been involved in certain transactions and helped shape a community and now we don't see that so there's a little bit more education that has to go on every time you make a phone call um you know about an earth shattering event you know recently i there was a jeweler, longtime jeweler. Uh, he was like the jeweler to the stars that had been in Michigan and he passed away. And, you know, we, the family asked us to to share with the news media that that he had passed away and the reeducation process we had to go through to explain who this gentleman was and, and all the work and who he had, you know, he had done and who he had worked with. Um, because there were no beat reporters left. There was no history left. So once we, you know, re educated them, they were like, Oh yeah, wow. We get it. Yeah. But you know, again, 10, 15 years ago, people understood the history they covered retail or they covered real estate. And so sometimes that worked in your favor because you didn't have to give them all the background. Um, you know, so it's changed dramatically.
0: Wow. And so then, like in back like in the olden days, so you had the beat reporter, like you had a sports reporter, you would have maybe a, a current events community reporter. So it's somebody who, through their own research and initiative, would know either may may know about the team, the company, the neighborhood, or whatever. <clears throat> so you, so, and I get what you're saying. So it wouldn't be as much work to fill them in on the background because they would be familiar with it already. Right. I think the difference now is, though, with reporters, they have to be all encompassing. So they had to, what they have to do is Google things, you know, look, if they want to know background, they got to do their own research and everything else. And now they're charged with knowing everything on their own and being yes. their own camp, Like you said, being their own camera person, being their own equipment person. So they're having all the encompassing. It's like uh, an all in one encompassing unit in one person.
1: Right. And so that's right. So that's where PR people are really, you know, earning their, you know, keep, so to speak, these days is because they're helping to, you know, provide information. And again, reporters are still, you know, fact checking and, and things like that. And that's part of their job Right, is not just to take things unvetted from PR people, but I think as a whole, we try to do our job, get them accurate information, get them what they need to put together a good and accurate story uh, and deliver it to their audience.
0: Sure, sure. Now, in terms of Catalyst Media Factory, what are all the services you provide?
1: So our, our core focus is media relations. Um, you know, a lot of people refer to it as public relations, to which we provide a lot of those services. So public relations is kind of the the general category under which uh, media relations falls. And so it's communicating with with your public um, in the broadest sense of public relations, you know, you don't need to rely on, on news media or journalists to tell, you know, your company's story or get news out. You know, we can help you draft content that goes directly to web and publish directly to web, and it's it goes unfiltered by news media. Yeah. So it's published the exact way you want. But again, I think it's really important to tell the story through the lens of the news media and earn that third-party credibility. And so that's really kind of one of our sweet spots. So we help – um, companies get their spokespeople ready to talk yeah. about um, you know what their companies are doing. In cases of you know crisis situation, we can help them through that as well and get their key messaging in order and prepare them to uh, to address the, the news media in all its forms. Um, you know, we'll draft the press materials that need to go out, you know, in the format that we think is it's best suited for depending on what the announcement is that we're sharing um, and following up with news media to, to really help facilitate that story, to, you know, to, to bring it to fruition and help it be told, you know, whether it's digital, on TV, uh, prepare those clients for that segment and, you know, oftentimes you know we'll find ourselves in studio or on site at a segment somewhere and we have to make sure that that it's set up that it looks good that it's visually appealing if it's a tv segment then the clients know you know where to stand and how to respond and what they're talking about and you know the information that that they should be providing in that segment so we help with all that you know securing the segment the interview um and prepping the client to, to be on and be comfortable and, and to talk about uh know their announcements
0: okay now i know you mentioned earlier about your client base is pretty much like small businesses. is that the primary sector of your clients or do you have clients from a varied amount of, of groups and industries or, or how does that work
1: we do actually um we don't specialize per se in terms of um sector so we've got a lot of experience in retail certainly um you know commercial real estate um technology and again, our clients, I always say they're in the small to growing, you know, which is kind of medium sector. So, you know, we work with a, an electronics chain that's got about 40 locations okay. um, across the Midwest, for example. Okay. Um, like I mentioned, the ad agency just outside of New York, um, you know, great client. Um, and then again, on the flip side, we have, you know, some startup makers, that are working in shared workspace in Detroit um, that are producing home goods, Uh, everything from clocks to, you know, I'm trying to think how to describe them flyer planes that are ending up in the offices and a lot of creatives. They look like, you know, as a kid, you had these little, uh, almost like balsa wood flyers you could put together, you know, you put the wings across them and you fly them all over. And these are so cool that, you know, a lot of creative directors around, Metro Detroit are picking them up there. They're produced by a company called Tate design company out of Detroit. And, um, you know, just small, small startups that that had an idea and saw a need for something fun to put, you know, a, a great product in, in the hands of consumers and, um, you know, left their jobs to, you know, to follow that dream. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're scraping by and say they were saving pennies prior to leaving to, uh, you know,
0: to be able to see this come to fruition. And, you know, commend them for a lot of courage, you know, because it takes a lot of courage to do something like that, to just take take it all, hang it all out there and see what happens. Because um, a lot of times uh, that may be the key ingredient for someone changing the world. If they don't change the whole world, at least they change their own. Um, yeah. And it's just very nice to hear these type of stories because there's a lot of great creative people in the Detroit area and Michigan as a whole. Um, and for those of you out there listening, that's where we're based, you know, with we partnered with Bamboo Detroit, you know, a co-working space that helps build Detroit based businesses, entrepreneurs, technology people, um, just a just a plethora of a network of Detroit and Metro Detroit based companies and individuals who provide services and goods for the common person, the common good. So it, it's it's nice, Jennifer, that you're part of that in terms of helping. The, the, the businesses get an identity because they need that more than anything else. So, I mean, it's one thing to have a business and put your shingle out there, but in, in today's climate, if you don't have a presence on the web or social media, you're basically non-existent. You know, it used to be yeah. where all you yeah. had to do is set up a storefront, maybe pass some flyers around, do a couple ads in the newspaper and TV, uh, radio, that's it. But it's, it's requiring a lot more nowadays. You have to really be vigilant in your own developing your own presence on the web so um
1: yeah I, you know i have to say you know I, again we started out as is you know at bamboo i showed up my first day didn't know what i was doing yet i slapped a laptop down on the desk and said i guess i'm in business now Yeah. and you know, the community is just so incredibly supportive and you know the entrepreneurial community in detroit is so supportive they're you know, tend to be. What can I do for you? Or how can I partner with you? Or how can we work together? Sure. Um, you know, which really was surprising to me, but it was such a relief, and uh, really just helped. You know, as somebody that never thought of themselves as an entrepreneur, uh, it really helped in our our growth. Oh,
0: that's good. Yeah. That's good, and, and it means a lot. Because you're right, the community in Detroit is very, very, you know, helpful and very much rooted in sticking together and helping each other. And that, that's what's going to take everybody else to the next level because, um, I guess because Detroit is such a, had a varied history and vast history based on the industrial revolution. And now, you know, the technology revolution has overtaken every industry known known to a human being. And now with Detroit, re-identifying, you know, reclaiming its identity, the community's redefining itself. And now we have the hope and the promise that people are coming out here and trying to do great things and having the courage just to do them. But then when you have 100 people doing that and 500 people doing it and then 1,000 people doing it, you know, all the same, putting it all on the line out there. Then you see that there's really a growth environment here that it's really about growth. For everybody as a whole, and that that's what makes it unique and, and great, you know.
1: Yeah, and I was I was just talking with a uh, a friend of mine drop by today, and and she has gone out on her own recently, and talking about the change going from working within a company to being on your own, and you know how it's it, it's kind of like uh, being dropped into cold water all of a sudden. It's kind of a yeah. shock. Oh yeah. You know, I I went from having a revolving office door to having nothing. Yeah. And when I, I didn't think it would bother me. And all of a sudden I realized that it it was strange, but again, I had instant colleagues when I started at bamboo, Yeah. you know, people were friendly and, and I had a place to go and I had people to talk to every day. And, you know, so as I started down my path to being an entrepreneur and, you know, what I did for work changed, um, it was, it was, great to have that support system that I didn't know I would need that it turned out I needed.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And then in your transition going from working for somebody else to being your own boss, what, what was, what was that experience like? (laughs) Well, I'm still
1: adjusting. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, I, I enjoy it. Um, I'm very candid by nature and um, you know, obviously I'm not asking for, you know, uh, I tend to do things first and ask for forgiveness second um, with my clients' best interests and sure, sure, at sure. heart sure. Um, but you know I can speak my mind, um, which I think benefits my clients as well and I, I think they really like that. you know I I want to do good for my clients and if if I um, beat around the bush, uh, tell them what they want to hear, it doesn't do them any good and at the end of the day they're not going to like me. Right. So, I mean, I feel like this gives me a lot of flexibility to do that. Um, I think we're we're pretty flexible and laid back. Um, we're able to work when our clients need us. Okay. Um, and uh, we've just created, I think, a, a really great environment. And I think um, our clients have a good experience. Um, we have a good experience. Um, you know, I've had clients that. You know, we're looking for different types of results and, you know, I was able to recommend services outside of, you know, our four walls to, uh, because that's really at that time what they needed and we'll certainly work with them again. But at that point, you know, that we weren't what they needed. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I've really, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and like I said, I think we're, we're producing some good results for, for some great companies, frankly. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, it's exciting to be part of all that they're doing.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, on that note, since we're talking about, you know, it seems like you're very excited about the, the clients you have, the people you're working for and with. And so that provides some type of passion there. So with that being said, uh, what I wanted to ask you, too, is what were some of the valuable life lessons you learned in developing, starting and growing your business?
1: Again, that's another, um, you know, really great, great question. Um, Oftentimes people say, well, what's your title? And I always tell them it's chief bottle washer Um, (laughs) because, (laughs) um, you know, and and I have, I've taken my, my title for the most part off my signature. Um, You know, many years ago, I learned from one of my mentors that, you know, you do what needs to be done in this business. Yeah. Um, And, we continue that philosophy. Um, you know, he was, he was completely on and, and I don't think that's changed. I think that's one thing that's, that's really carried over. Um, we, I think have created a company of, you know, peers that we can take respectful, you know, respectfully take advice from each other and counsel and and make decisions based on that. Um, you know, we're fortunate that, I think it is important to make sure your clients, um, are, are good, are a good fit with your company. Yeah. And that's not always the case. And, and if, if they're not, it's okay to let them go, um, you know, and unfortunately, we haven't had to do that many times in you know a little over a year and a half, not quite two years. Um, you know, but we have, and you know, we might refer them to someone else, or you know, like I said, I had a client that I I referred um, to another service for okay. what he was really looking for. Yeah. But but I wasn't afraid to tell him that, um, and and make that you know decision, and I I think you have to be true to yourself. Right now, I mean, most entrepreneurs are searching for, they want to enjoy going to work. They want to get up and be excited about what they're doing. And, you know, for me, if I meet with a new client and I can't come up with three or four new outlets just while I'm sitting there off the top of my head that will be excited about their story, you know, then maybe this isn't the right time for them to do PR. Maybe we're not the right agency for them to work with. Right. And, and that we be honest with them, um, you know, as well. And again, we're all startups. And so I think it's important that, that we've learned to be respectful of each other's time so I can keep, keep my costs down. Um, you know, if they, they can do what we ask them in a timely fashion and, and, you know, it'll keep their costs down and, you know, vice versa. So, um, you know, we got to build those good working relationships so we can all be excited. You know, I want to be excited about going to work. They want to feel good about working with me. Uh, I want them to feel good about working with our agency.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> we want to build a partnership um, is, is, you know, what it boils down to at the end of the day, I think.
0: Oh okay, yeah. Well the partnership is the most important part because you can't do everything yourself. So there's always somebody out there that you could use as a resource and like Many, many, many companies and individuals, you know, people learn that your success is based on the power of your network. So, if you have a strong network, then you're going to most likely succeed. You have a better chance to succeed than somebody else who does not, or at least in the the very least, not willing to develop and nurture that network because it's about relationships and it's really about getting to know people and and bonding with people. And, like you said, when you're in the offices of bamboo, being able to talk to other members other entrepreneurs so then you know because you never know you strike up a conversation and someone actually is a resource for you that you didn't think you had before you know
1: oh yeah like you said when i you know especially when i first started at bamboo i mean it was great because i i was trying to build new relationships for you know new video partners and things like that photo partners and And I, you know, literally I can open my office door to this day and go out and say, you know, who knows a good videographer, who knows, you know, they, they all going to recommend Don, but, uh, (laughs) Right. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Hope you're listening, folks. Hope you're listening. But, um, you know, yeah, it's that network and I can fire off an email, you know, or a Facebook message to the group and say, here's what we've got. Who can help me with this? And you know, we have a, a supportive network. that's going to respond and say, or you know, again, and it works both ways. If somebody says I need PR, you know, somebody's going to say, here's who you need to talk to, you know, yeah. based on what you do. So, yeah, um, yeah tre- tremendously beneficial.
0: Oh yeah. And in terms of um, the entrepreneurship scene, even a little bit of the tech scene, what's your take on that? Based in as far as the companies and people based in Detroit and Michigan, what's what your take on the scene overall? I know we talked a little bit about. The spirit of it but but what do you what do you think about the 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 nature of the ecosystem as a whole
1: it's interesting um i mean i think we're we're here we have a lot of people with a lot of creative ideas and they're all they're all headed in the right direction they're all i think looking for i think as we talked about earlier uh before we we started sitting down chatting at this podcast that, you know, they're all, they're all looking for that, you know, to create that unicorn more or less.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: And you know, they're working, people are working through a lot of ideas in Detroit fast and furiously. Yeah. And, um, I think we're going to, going to start to see some, some big things come out of, out of Detroit. So even companies, even tech companies that aren't based in Detroit, want to be involved in detroit and you know as i mentioned earlier i work with a company out of anchorage a tech company and you know again they're thrilled to be partnered with you know an agency in detroit and and just think it's great for their own expansion so a lot of people even outside of detroit have their eye on on detroit as far as tech goes right now so um you know it's going to start with we've got a lot of people dedicated to to the next big technology breakthrough and uh it's coming i think
0: Yeah, I think so too. A lot of great people, and hopefully some of them, you know, especially the Bamboo members, can come on. And folks, if you're listening, Bamboo members, come on the Doers Network podcast. Get yourself known. Get yourself, you know, get some promotion for yourself out here. Um, you know, we're going countrywide, USA, across the USA with it. So it's and it's growing fast, which is a great thing because it provides exposure, and everybody benefits from that around here. Because I believe that, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that the world has its eyes on Detroit right now, you know, because of the bankruptcy at first we had a lot of negative attention, but then when people started to see how people were coming together, you know, uh, you know, people, companies were moving downtown, buying up buildings, re- refurbishing buildings, you know, getting that space ready for people to come and, and enjoy the, the fruits of the labor and moving downtown. Uh, you know, now you have it where people can, you know, see the progress and, and, and take note of it. And, and because again, because we live in the digital age, you can put a post of an article on Facebook, and the whole world can see it. And now everybody's saying, "Wow, Detroit is doing some great things. It's really, it's really happening over there. I want to be a part of that." And like you said, for the past few years now, you've heard a l- from from a lot of people in other cities. I want to come to Detroit. You know, that, that's been their 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 declaration, if you will. And and it's just great to he- finally hear that. You know, now in terms, it's always. It's
1: always so much. It's always so much fun to take people that haven't been downtown in a while, yeah, uh, to invite them down and to show them, you know, what it's become. They they don't recognize it, right? Um, and you know, again, some people still have this this scary vision of you know vacant downtown, and and that's not at all what they see in any capacity. Yeah. Um. And they come down, and in fact, sometimes we just can't get rid of them. So.
0: Right, right. <laughs> they don't want to leave,
1: huh? Right. Exactly.
0: Well, that's a great thing. I mean, that, that that that's a testament to what the progress is is going towards now. And, and now you can see people just are really enjoying and being more comfortable in coming back and they want to come back. And that's that's what you want. You want the people to want to be here. You know, And that's that's a great thing for everybody as a whole. Everybody benefits from that, I believe, you know.
1: Yeah, most definitely.
0: Now, in terms of um, the scene as a whole, where, where do you see the scene in Detroit and Michigan going in terms of entrepreneurship? and technology, let's say, in the next five to 10 years? What do you think is going to happen?
1: Uh, you know, I just think we've we've really become a hub, and I think it will only continue to grow. I mean, we've had exciting announcements. I mean, if you look at what LinkedIn is committing to in downtown Detroit now, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're in so few markets, and out of all the markets they could go into, they selected downtown Detroit. Um, you know, again, Bamboo has has been expanding. Bamboo Detroit has been expanding like crazy to accommodate. You know the entrepreneurs, people that have have left their day jobs, that are committed to bringing their vision to life. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, we're seeing other other um, innovation centers pop up all around downtown. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, we're just we're just headed for tremendous growth, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, over the next handful of years, and, you know, I I lived downtown for a couple of years. I don't any longer, um, <laughs> for various reasons, but. I got married and so we we moved out. but sure. um, I was downtown for many years and and back then the city was just starting to grow, right And you could see people on the street later in the day, five and six o'clock, which yep. was kind of a rare occurrence. And now, you know, I left a location tonight I was visiting and walked back, visited a client. you know, I started in midtown you know, visited their location, you know, the southern end of midtown. Yeah. You know, headed back to my car, back downtown, um, you know, at eight o'clock at night, and it was still hopping. It's you know, it's the middle it was the middle of the week and yeah, um, you know, people were out all over. It was it was an active and fully functioning downtown.
0: Oh yeah. And that's what we I think that's the goal that everybody has been working towards you know, the last few years, and, and that's what you need. You have to have a vibrant, thriving downtown in order to attract people to come here, live here, and even live in other parts of the city, and and that's happening. And what I like, too, is going, what's going on now is there are other businesses sprouting and popping up like crazy in the neighborhoods now because that's been a big thing, too. You know, the issue is what, what's, what's going on in the neighborhoods, and you see a lot of people having the courage to set up shop right on major thoroughfares and and say, I'm here, you know, let's see what we can do. Let's build this community. Let's build these businesses and see where, how, where we can take it how far we can go with it. And that's, it's a great thing to see.
1: We have, I mean, we have a tremendous, um, you know, retail population. You, You always hear how malls are dying and retail is dying and Amazon is taking everything over. But what Detroit is giving birth to is, more experiential retailing if you will so you know yep. i uh you know i cite uh Fumato Fragrances which is in midtown that you know makes their own scents for both men and women right um they sell them in the store by day and then they convert to a cocktail bar at night wow um you know and their shop is open you can go in you can you can make a purchase um you know things like that that you know uh It's just amazing, and I was there tonight, and people were commenting, well, I've never seen anything like this. Right. And that's what Detroiters are bringing to the city. They're saying, you know, we've got innovative ideas, and we can make this go. People are interested. People want, you know, something different.
0: Sure, absolutely. So, and then with them, the do they promote their fragrances during the cocktail bar hours too?
1: Well, yeah, they do, because, um, you know, part of the experience, these are often cocktails that complement fragrances they sell. Oh, wow. So your napkin that you receive with your beverage, which is scented, is is scented, and they complement each other. Wow. And so, yeah, you could certainly purchase a fragrance either separately or, you know, I'm sure they could work it out for you to purchase it while you're there right. in the evening as well.
0: Right, right. That's That is a very unique concept, and that just shows... And it's the testimony to the creativity that's that's flourishing around here in the city, and that's great, you know, because it's unheard of. And and you know, hopefully I wish them much much success and I think that they, they really honor something with that. Um and then in terms of you know, um uh, one question I wanted to ask you, how did you come across bamboo? I mean, because I know you you're a bamboo member, but how did you come to find bamboo and what it has to offer? <laughs>
1: You know, I started doing some research. I um, I knew it was going to be a, a challenge for me going from, you know, as I always say, having a revolving door at an office at an agency to going to nothing and being at home by myself all day long or, right. you know, or sharing the den with my husband when he was working from home and, and we were both on conference calls. Sure. And so I started doing some research Um, and, you know, spent some time at various communities around the region and I just felt at home and it, and very welcomed at Bamboo Detroit. And I, I went back a few times to make sure that that was where I felt most at home. And it, it really did in the sense of community, I think, is one thing that really helps distinguish Bamboo Detroit from any other place that, that I went. Um, okay. You know, people wanted to greet you. They wanted to know who you are. Um, you know, they introduce themselves, um, you know, come sit next to me, who are you? What do you do? They wanted to know. Right. And so the power of what I've learned, I guess I should say is the power of being a member of bamboo Detroit, you know, also extends to the network that you build. So as an entrepreneur, you're not alone. I've been to other spaces and I've worked out of other spaces. Yeah. And, you know, it's rare that somebody might come up and introduce themselves. Um, in that case, I feel like I'm the one that would have to initiate that conversation. Yeah. And at Bamboo, that's not it. There seems to be a genuine curiosity about what do you do and how can we work together? Sure. You know, for the, you know, to make things better for both of us or to, to grow both of our businesses, yeah. um, you know, and, and I really, you know, I feel got a little bit of that as i was you know touring spaces and exploring them and trying to envision what my business would become and and so i knew the bamboo detroit would really be the place to to kind of help me figure that out yeah and um and like i said it was just a great place to set up shop and and really helped facilitate uh, my growth
0: quickly well I, I commend you that's fantastic and i uh Congratulations. I'm glad you're part of the Bamboo family and and everything I'm is working upwards in your favor and I know you're going to be very successful in a very short time from now. And um one of the things I wanted to do before we get ready to close out is um just talk a little bit more about uh where you see yourself in terms of your career and whether you, whether you still, you know, have catalysts going on or whether you have anything else going on, what, what do you think your vision is for your own future?
1: Um, yeah, right now we're, I mean, we're, we're in a growth phase now and, and we expect to continue to grow. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll stay relatively small um, in the scope of things, Okay. you know, with, with a half dozen employees or so. Um because again we we don't want to get too far removed from you know our, our kind of our mission right. in serving these smaller and growing businesses and um, we want to know who our our clients are, and we want to know a lot about them, and it, it helps us do our jobs that much more. Yeah. And we don't want to add a lot of layers of red tape. I mean, like I said, I I abhor red tape from a, a client side of things, and yeah. and they they don't want to you know have to call only during business hours, and right. uh, we like to have relationships with our clients, and we like to be able to we want our clients to be people we enjoy having a drink with and we Sure, sure, sure. I, so we we're trying to keep the the layers of, you know, in between the client and the the account executives at a minimum. Yeah. Um to maintain those relationships. Um but we'd li- we'd like to continue to do what we're doing and continue to do more of it um in the city and and across the country. Um you know, and and share our skill set with with these growing businesses.
0: That's great. It, yeah. Now Thank you. Oh, you're most most welcome. Most welcome. Now for those of you out there listening, if you're in other parts of the state of Michigan or you other parts of the country, other states, please take a listen. Um Jennifer has a lot of great things to offer. Um Jennifer and Jennifer, before we uh v- before we get off the air, can you provide your website and your contact information to the listening public?
1: Yeah, the best way you can reach us is is really just through our website. Um we're at at Catalyst, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T, MediaFactory.com. Again, CatalystMediaFactory.com. And we can be reached by phone at 248-952-8091, 248-952-8091.
0: That's great. And so f- folks listening, go to the website. Give Jennifer and the good folks at Catalyst Media Factory a, a, a ring on the phone. If you're a small business and you need some presence on the web, if you need some PR, you know, if you if you need some identity, you know, just make sure if you listen to this podcast, might have to rewind a couple of times, make sure you get the information right. Just reach out. There's a lot of great services that Jennifer and the good folks at Catalyst Media Factory have to offer. So please take advantage of it. Whether you're a Bamboo member, whether you live in Detroit, whether you live in San Francisco, if you're in Orlando, Florida, wherever you are, if you're listening to this podcast, we welcome you to come on out and join and reach out. You know, because what we're all about here is about helping any each and every one of you in the best way we can. And knowing Jennifer, I know that she is really, really, you know, she goes above and beyond to help and to be a be a difference in in a positive way for people to help lift them up and build their businesses and build themselves up. So with that being said, Jennifer, uh, thank you so much for being on the Doers Network. Really appreciate your time. Great conversation, and and thank you for your words of wisdom to share with everyone.
1: Thanks so much, Don. You're you're hired, so I appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks for all the kind words.
0: Uh, You're more than welcome. Well, that's about it, folks. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Doer's Network, where actives grow and thrive. You've just been listening to our interview with Ms. Jennifer Cherry Foster, founder and creator of Catalyst Media Factory. If you have a small to medium-sized business and you're looking for branding and public relations work, please don't hesitate to contact the good people at Catalyst Media Factory. For more information, you can go to their website at catalystmediafactory.com That's C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T mediafactory.com Or you can reach them directly at 248 952 8091 Again, that phone number is 248 952-8091 so please contact them today this podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit located in the heart of downtown Detroit Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers Bamboo Detroit where we do more together because Detroit is for doers we appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network thanks for listening doers podcast where actives grow and thrive the doers podcast is produced by bamboo detroit network for more information visit us at bamboo detroit.com